really got to try on that left hand side. What happened? <laughs> oh, but I've gone up and over, and Marty head over biscuit. It was a, uh, it was, a, it wasn't enough stability there for myself. But um, no, I was busting for a bit to make this game. It didn't seem to work out. Hello, cheers, and welcome, welcome to the Scrum of the Earth podcast, the podcast that brings you news, reviews, fantastic interviews. Ooh, I got a big one coming up. And just so much more. So we are here for you, 52 weeks out of the year, and you'll find frequent bonus pods sprinkled in here and there as well. Uh, not just here and there, they're, they're everywhere, it seems like. So it's Sunday night. I got my big fat mug of tea. I can't report that my Patriots just won because they didn't. Uh, the Patriots actually lost on Saturday against the Colts. But you know what? The Colts haven't beaten us in literally 12 years. So, hey, they can have one. It's okay. I'm not bothered. Uh, anyway, I'm, as always, David Lawrence. I'm an American rugby fan. I follow the game all over the globe. And this week, of course, we'll be continuing to concentrate on Europe and the two great competitions that kicked off this weekend. If you want to get in touch, I strongly encourage you to do so. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at of Scrum. I'm on Instagram at the Scrum of the Earth podcast. And you can always just shoot me an email whenever you like. Uh, the, that address is the Scrum of the Earth at gmail.com. Anytime I hear from you guys, it makes my day. I love it. So please continue to get in touch. Okay. And with all of that admin out of the way, let's get on to the rugby. So current updates, that's just about me. So after a stressful couple of months, I, I can say I'm very happy to report that I am on a break from my new job for the holidays. Uh, I, I've had a few months to suss things out, and I think I can safely and accurately report that eighth graders are the worst humans on the face of the earth. They're basically bigger, louder, clumsier versions of sixth graders who otherwise would have taken the crown for themselves for sure. You know, but to be fair, and at least to make some sort of effort to try to get into the spirit of the season, I will also say that some of them are real gems, and it's true. And, you know, the, the first time a, a little kid walking through the hall stopped me just to say, hello, how are you? You know, the, for somebody, a big sap like me, that's a, that's a definite heart melter. It was, it was a game changer. He's stupid! He's stupid! People have to know! No, I said, unfortunately, the, the news is decidedly not good this week. So, the spread of the latest variant has again crippled what we like to think of as normal, and this has in turn blown a hole in both European tournaments, as well as countless other more important things, as well as smaller things like, uh, you know, my family's entire Christmas plans, which are now scuppered. On top of this, as the sort of uh, straightforward bad news, EPCR, the governing body for these tournaments, Frankly, they've utterly crapped themselves in the way they handled the whole debacle. So it's likely that you're already fully briefed on this, but just in case, there were two Welsh teams. This is a while ago now. There were two Welsh teams and one Irish team stuck in South Africa when the Omicron news caused the UK to shut down its airports. In fairness, there was also an Italian team, but Italy didn't impose the same sort of lightning quick restrictions, and they got home pretty safely and easily. So the drama with getting the other three teams back home has been well documented here, among other many other places. And when it came time to start the Euro competitions, so 
Dragons forfeited ahead of time because they couldn't possibly have fielded a team. Cardiff last weekend somehow managed to find 23 players, some of whom are still looking forward to things like, you know, shaving and voting. Uh, while Munster actually got a controversial win with a, a semi-ragtag side, <laughs> Zebra, they got pretty well shellacked anyway. So to be fair, that didn't seem COVID-related. But then this week, so the game between Poe and Saracens was canceled because of reported cases in the series camp, giving Poe a 28-0 bonus point win, as is the usual method. So that was on Wednesday. And then another match between Montpellier and Leinster was also canceled on Thursday with the Irish side issuing bitter recriminations all around, saying they had cleared and even announced a match day 23, but it fell in deafened ears because the same replies kept coming back. We cannot postpone or reschedule matches because there is no workable date on the calendar, period. That was the EPCR's, you know, dead set answer. Ah, but then... Late Thursday or maybe early Friday, with the French government imposing strict new travel regulations uh, regarding the UK, seven additional matches were called off. But they said these matches were postponed and would be played at a date to be determined. So naturally, every team that has forfeited because of any COVID-related reasons just felt immediately and hugely aggrieved. No, no wonder. And it has been a poop storm ever since. As far as I know, the EPCR still have said basically nothing. And of course, that makes people even angrier, people like myself. So the whole thing is just a giant mess that I really worry is going to spoil the entire, in both of these competitions this year. It's really worrisome. The question of crowds also, it's obviously going to be coming up sooner than later. I would think, what a mess. And that, of course, brings us to my thoughts of the week. and. You know, I'm trying to continue this vein of um, taking some kind of bad news and sort of twisting it in a good way. Let's see if it works or not. So I was listening to one of the podcasts that I really enjoy. In this case, it was the American-based, quote, MLR kickoff, unquote, podcast. They've been creating just great content since the very beginning of the MLR journey. And uh, as always, I have linked their lovely show in my show notes for this episode. So this week, they mentioned something I hadn't heard before, and it was just a real eye-opener. So they said, and I apologize, I'm definitely paraphrasing here, but you know, if I get the gist right, quote, if every rugby fan in the United States bought tickets to see their local MLR franchise, it would not be enough to make the league viable in the long term, unquote. In other words, me supporting the MLR and being you know, a, a founding member and a season ticket holder that's not necessarily going to be enough to ensure that this league lasts or that rugby persists in my country. That's shocking. And uh, so obviously it'd be ideal if every American rugby fan was actively bringing in other new fans, because without that growth, it just might not be here for that long. That is, that is a scary thought to me. So I, w I was shocked by this, though I guess I shouldn't have been, but it really just made me think about our podcast here and what we're trying to do with it. So when I look at the, the you know, minimal stats that my platform allows me to access, um, as basic as they are, it does tell me that on any given week, between 50 and 60% of my listeners are here in the United States. 
So the UK, and by the way, I wish it told me more about the different countries in the UK, but there it is. That is my second largest audience, accounting for approximately 20% of our listens. So from now on, I'm just going to ever so slightly lean a bit harder into the aspects of the podcast that are instructive to newer viewers. Uh, it won't be a big difference. Some of you might not even notice, but it's something I want to be aware of and to keep in mind. So if you're, say, you know, a Welsh rugby fan and you're listening to this pod, you might have to wait some total of like another two or three minutes throughout the course of a, a given pod where I'm just sort of explaining something that you already find obvious. And I'm, I'm sorry about that, but I sincerely doubt it's going to detract from the pod in any larger sense. And if it helps me get even a few more American fans on board, then it just has to be worth it for me because I want this game to live. So in fact, today, as I was sitting in my little ivory tower <laughs> watching Lester against my, my poor Connick boys, I actually got a text from my BFF who I've been strongly encouraging to watch rugby. And she said, hey, watching this Lester game right now, can't believe it's on TV. I, I was I was utterly floored and just just so happy. So apparently, again, American fans might want to know this. The European tournaments are available on NBCSN, which is I think one of those streaming services that you can access for free if you're a cable subscriber and that sort of, you know, normal channel is available to you. So we don't have cable right now, so I can't verify that, but either way, a casual fan who wouldn't have watched a few years ago is now watching, and it's on TV. What a red-letter day for rugby in the U.S. Come on, folks. Let's spread the word. Come on. Okay, and of course, that brings us to our reviews. So we'll, we'll start with the Challenge Cup round two, and there's just not a lot to report. The vast majority of these games were canceled or, quote, postponed, unquote. Uh, so not a lot of stuff to actually watch this weekend. I'm a little, little worried. So Dragons versus Lyon, that was postponed as of December 17th. Worcester versus Biarritz was postponed as of December 17th. Poe versus Saracens was canceled on the 15th. London Irish versus Breve was postponed as of December 17th. But Gloucester actually did get to play their game versus Benetton. So as with last week, the games that actually went forward were unavailable for me to watch in the Challenge Cup. Maybe they want to, you know call an audible on that right now in this current environment so all i have is uh, scores for any matches in the challenge cup though i guess it's just this one in this case gloucester they look to be on a rampage right now they destroyed the rainbow cup champs it was 54 to 25 more than doubling their opponent's score absolute dominance by the team that called the cherry and whites despite their wearing baby blue a lot of times uh they're looking better and better as this terrible horrible no good very bad year rolls on and uh I kind of have hope for them a little bit. So moving on to the Champions Cup on Friday, Montpellier versus Leinster, a game that I was looking forward to was canceled on the 16th of this month. But then Ulster actually got to play Northampton. Good game. So early on, really soft yellow card. I, was, I wrote down here, not sure about that one. Uh, but it could have taken just the rest of the wind out of Northampton at that point, who, who looked listless to say the to say the most about them at the time they were down a man and down by 13 after the first quarter i have a little weird side note here so billy burns for ulster he's just an interesting looking guy he's he almost looks fake like 
uh, he was made by CGI, but like 15 years ago or something. Like, I always think he looks like an innkeeper you're going to meet in Skyrim. Anyway, Agent Furbank is single-footedly keeping the Saints in this game, though the signs aren't encouraging. The Ulsterman led 19-12 to 12 at the break. I was surprised to learn just now. Saints have won six of nine in in uh, in the Prem this year. I would have guessed the exact opposite. I just I was shocked by that. So now I wonder if this thing's going to get really close. It's sort of tries versus kicks at this point. And in the end, it was twenty-seven to twenty-two at full time. What a nice match, though. Uh, and the fact that it was a rarity this weekend just kind of made it all the sweeter. It was actually really nice. Um, Ulster looked pretty in control the whole way. Um, score. I don't know if it tells the story or not. On Saturday, Harlequins were home to face Cardiff. And, oh man, the guys from Cardiff, they again had to field the first and second graders that they fielded last week. And when you look at the murderer's row that Harlequins have out there, it's just hard to see this one being much fun. This is what I wrote ahead of time. And yes, my writing that before the game absolutely jinxed my own prediction. And it was an awesome match with Cardiff scoring the first try only to be overtaken by tries from Danny Kerr and an absolute whew, piece of magic between Marcus Smith and Alex Dombrandt. How effing good are they? Only to have Cardiff roar back with a beautiful breakaway try to draw the match level just before the half. Even the comms are just losing it at that stage. Just so good. An 18-year-old and current teacher are among the Cardiff players right now. Just an incredible effort. It's, and it's obvious, just the one extra week of training did them a world of good. They look so much better. Of course, the question of fitness was looming over this contest. And while Cardiff managed to keep things level until the third quarter, you know, really right until the 60-minute mark, that was it. The, the, flood, the floodgates opened. Three quick tries by Quinns, several squandered opportunities by the boys in blue, and another insult to injury try by Andre Esterhausen to seal a big victory with Cardiff fielding literally a pimple-faced teenager as a replacement scrum half. Another, come on guys, another truly valiant, a breathtaking effort by Cardiff. So good. What stories some of these guys are going to have, many of whom will literally never see a professional match ever again. Just such a great sight to see. Uh, You know, it looks like what we call heart manifested on a field. It's gorgeous. I, I feel like weirdly proud in a, a sort of dad-like way about Cardiff right now, which I hope doesn't seem condescending. I'm just so overwhelmed by it. It was so good. A massive gap at the end when you finally looked at it. The final tally was 43-17, to 17, but it didn't feel like that way. If only that game had been just 60 minutes instead of the full 80. So theoretically on the docket, we had three more coming up. We had Bath facing La Rochelle. We had Sale versus Claremont, and we had Rasting 92 against the Ospreys. All three of those matches are, quote, postponed, unquote, as of December 17th. But we did get Glasgow versus Exeter. Oh, my word. I have never seen so much fog in my whole life. And I used to live in San Francisco. So as often happens, the broadcast I got to watch cut out almost the entire lead-up to the game, including the lineups for both sides. Thank you very much. But I think I deduced from what they were saying as it, as it cut in that they had actually been considering canceling this match because of how foggy it was. Unbelievable. Imagine if in a weekend 
with matches already canceled or postponed due to COVID and governmental regulations on travel, if we also had one called off because of moisture in the air, oy vey already. Ugh. So in the tweet announcing this pod publication, I'm going to add a photo in the comments of what it looked like from where I sat. It was something else. I sent it to everybody I could think of. Nobody cared, of course. If this match had been played in England, I would have been really worried about a pitch invasion by the Hound of the Baskervilles. In any event, the game did go ahead, and as it started, I wrote down, I predict a lot of badly handled highballs today. And by that, of course, I'm referring to the fans with their cocktails. Anyway, as the game progressed, you could tell the visuals were much different for the players and the fans than for the broadcast viewers, so it wasn't as absurdly clumsy as you would have imagined, or I would have imagined. Nevertheless, it took a good 15 minutes for the players to get their foothold on the conditions, and Glasgow took the first points with a penalty kick drifting off into the ether. Three points in its wake. In a game no one could see, Glasgow continued to take any points on offer, you know, missing a few to be fair, and going into the final 20... They did hold a shutout. It was 9-0. Shocking to see the Chiefs with a, a donut. I just have to assume that my writing this will give them a 14-point win because of my jinx factor. Somehow, in the end, Ross Thompson, underestimated fly half, makes it 12 to nothing, and Exeter have to be wondering what's going on at this stage. So the Ghost Warriors held on to their shutout advantage until there were just 10 minutes to play, and even I knew the Chiefs weren't going to be blanked for this match or any other one anytime soon. So at 71 minutes, the score became 12 to 7. Uh, you, you could feel the collective Scots and Sphincter tightening up. This is exactly the type of game that Exeter would like to snatch from you at the last very minute. But no, Glasgow, they grinded out in the fog, scoring an insurance try with only a minute or so to go. The home side seal a lovely victory over and off the boil Exeter side. 22-7 was the shocking final score at the end. Next up was Munster versus Cast. And wait a minute, you say, uh, how is a French team playing this week? That doesn't seem right. Oh, well, Cast were already in Ireland, so there was no reason to cancel it for travel restrictions because they were there. But, <laughs> oh my gosh, the absurdity. They say Cast must fly home immediately after this match, which, when you think about it, is pretty much the single dumbest possible thing they could do. So I will just leave it at that, because at least they played. Anyway, in a game you could actually see, uh, things were incredibly tight, with neither side scoring the try in the, a try in the first half. In the battle of the penalty kicks, it was three successful chances to one, with the home side clutching that six-point edge heading into the second half. The first try came Munster's way around minute 58, and from then on, cast, they just they couldn't get out of their own way, just giving away penalties left and right, complaining endlessly to the official who ended up marching them like 40 yards total when it was all said and done, threatening one player in particular with a yellow, and once the ref was that pissed, like they didn't have much of a chance. Uh, in a bazaar, oh my gosh, it was so strange, in an oh-so-French ending, their fly half just kicked it out to end the game while they were in the middle of an offensive attack. They were in the middle of an opportunity. It was their last chance. Literally, they had one more chance, and a converted try would have won the game for them. But no, he just goes, nah, tired of playing, kind of kicks it out. It was like he had somewhere else to go. It was like he had another game to go to, and he was like, guys, I'm done. It was bizarre. Neither side looked at their best on the day, for sure. 
But Munster did get their second win in the tournament. It was 19-13, all told. And then on Sunday, we had scheduled Scarlets to play Bordeaux, postponed as of the 17th. Toulouse, the champs, were going to play Wasps, postponed. And Stade Francais, we're going to play Bristol, postponed as of December 17th. But we got one final match, so I spent a lot of time on it. Also, as you know, uh, I'm a fan of Connacht, so it was nice to see them in action again. So today I learned, and this was Leicester versus Connacht, by the way, and today I learned that the stadium that I keep talking about and keep lauding in this space, the sports ground in Galway, by the way, which is also a great racing track, so it's actually an undersized rugby pitch, which I thought was really interesting. I, so I had heard people say, just sort of casually, it's a small space. But I thought that just really meant like the end zones, which are teeny, uh, the width on the sidelines, which is also obviously teeny, along with the actual, you know, the stadium itself. I had no idea that the size of the field of play was open to interpretation at all. So if any of you listeners know of other examples of off-sized stadia, please let me know. I love stuff like that. So in baseball, you know, there's a set of sort of required dimensions for the diamond itself, but then you get a lot of leeway in terms of outfield size, space, wall heights, and all that. I mean, I, I live in Boston, so the Green Monster is a great example of that in uh, for the Red Sox. So I always thought that was a, a thing unique to baseball. So now I'm I'm ready to go down a serious rabbit hole in terms of rugby fields. Please tell me where to go. Oh, and in other esoteric side notes, Lester, just before the match, were told to switch their uniforms uh, over fears that they were just too similar to Connect. Uh, so they busted out what could be my favorite Tiger kit so far. I, I really liked the sort of lightning stripes. I, I hope to see this one again. Anyway, both sides, they seemed a little off to me today. Uh, I think Lester didn't have their full side out there. They might have taken it not as seriously as they could have. Uh, and they started the, the game and for a long time in. They were just shooting themselves in the foot. Just silly mistakes, dumb penalties all over the place. And after another boneheaded blunder deep in the Conic 22, Lester gift a long try to Jack Cardi, who shows some gas to get it in right at the end of the first half. Converting it to give my boys the lead over a stunned Tigers squad. It was 12 to 17 at the break. Good effort, Connacht. Uh, side note again, has anyone else noticed being picked for the British and Irish Lions has not been good for Bundyaki? He, he barely got used on that tour, and he's been just mostly invisible ever since. I, I don't know what gives with him right now. He, he just doesn't seem his usual rampaging self out there. I wonder if we're going to learn, you know, sometime in the future that he's had some sort of nagging injury that's been, you know, bugging him for a while now. Anyway, I'm keen to find out. Uh, he just doesn't seem right, and I've, I've always loved watching him play. Let's hope he finds his old form again soon. Anywho, Jack Cardi extends the lead to eight with another penalty less than eight minutes in the second act. But that confidence, that air of inevitability starts to come in that the Leicester Tigers always carry with them. Uh, they look back to themselves. They bash over a try along with getting, uh, uh, by the way, the process of getting that try, they got a conic player sin bend for repeated infractions. So just before the final 20, Leicester are only down a single point and appear to have firm hold of the momentum. And here, so as a viewer, a bit frustrated as the, the ref, multiple refs miss what to me was an 
obvious knock-on, and it was right in front of a touch judge as well. But Leicester are allowed to keep going, and boom, 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 another try, they retake the lead. So, you know, uh, I've been watching for a while. I know bad or missed calls are part of the game, but it's rough when it feels like a call sort of makes the difference between a win and a loss. Ugh. So it's 26-20 with under uh, 17 minutes to play, though Connacht have only 14 players for a few more minutes. So another penalty from a good ways out by Bryce Hagerty and Leicester extend to a two-score margin with under 10 to play. As the comms say at that moment, quote, I'm losing count of how many times Connacht get the ball into a ruck but then can't get it back out, unquote. Yep, pretty much the story of the day. So another ill-timed knock-on by the boys from Galway, and their final chances appear to be slipping away with about five minutes remaining. Then, to likely put the nail in the coffin, a badly botched line-out. Hands possession back to the Tigers with only three minutes left. And another bonus point victory now looks like Connick's best hope, and frankly, I don't see that happening. Ah, as usual. However, I am wrong. Surprising everyone. Jack Carty, he slots a drop goal after full-time. To make the score 29-23, what a sweet little moment that was. And that gives them the aforementioned bonus point to take back to Ireland. What a game for Jack Carty. But Leicester are now, I'm pretty sure, on an 11-game winning streak, and things are looking very fine in the East Midlands. Note, I have no idea what the East Midlands are, except that I assume they are likely to be in the eastern side of the sort of middle area of the country, I'd guess. But the comms have used that phrase so often, I just feel compelled to echo it. Great contest to end this truncated weekend. Of course, that does bring us to our Diamond in the Ruck, our Player of the Week award. And for the first time, I'm giving this prestigious award to a player whose team didn't actually win this week. This is a first for us here. So it's likely that Alex Dombrandt was the player of the weekend overall, but unfortunately for him, good looking as he is, he has already received this revered accolade this season. And the rule I just found here in this little pile of notes is uh, nobody can win in the same season more than once or or six months or, or something. I can't really read my writing. It's hard to tell. Oh, the the note just fell on the ground again. But in any event, my personal man crush is disqualified for the week. And therefore, the award goes to Jack Cardi. That's right. Mr. Cardi almost single-handedly kept his conduct team in the match. My boys. He was directing traffic, setting plans into motion, getting his mates quick ball all day long placing those pinpoint kicks, making his penalties, converting tries, and even scoring one himself. Woof! Jack Carty, without you, Connacht would have been utterly adrift on the day. And under your guidance, you came oh so close to an upset victory that would have reverberated throughout, you know, the URC, the Prem, and all of Europe without a doubt. Connacht are playing at a level above where I think everyone imagined them, including myself, who loved them. And today, we saw a big part of the reason why Jack Cardi, call your family. They will be overwhelmed to learn that you are this week's Diamond in the Ruck. Congratulations. So just when you got in the swing of having nice European rugby on tap for the weekend, it goes dormant for a couple more weeks. But we'll get back to it. 
So our regular leagues do get back into action this coming weekend for Christmas and the holidays. So as always, I'm not going to be watching the French Top 14 action. I wish I could. So I'm not going to preview those fixtures. But the URC and the Prem both get back to it this weekend. And Lord knows I will be watching. So in the URC. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas Darbies. That's right. So for American listeners, uh, Darbies are matches where the two teams playing are geographically close to each other. So I, I guess at a fundamental level, it's like the fans from either side could reasonably be expected to travel. So you get sort of a, a nice mix of uh, fans and, and supporters and detractors in the crowd. Like it's a really exciting thing. It happens for both weekends starting around Christmas in the UK, at least in the URC. It's it's a lovely thing that I'm a big fan of. So as I said here, every year teams, they stay close to home. They play their closest geographical rivals. So the Irish teams play the other Irish teams. The Scottish teams play each other and so on. It's just one of those sort of mini traditions that makes me love this sport so much, you know? So on Friday, it'll be Christmas Eve and Zebre will be hosting Benetton. I wonder if anyone's going to be watching that. I mean, I will. So everybody gets Christmas Day off in these leagues, unlike here in the NBA. Though to be fair, in the NBA, I think getting selected to be one of the teams that do play on Christmas, just it's kind of a badge of honor. Like that, that feels like you must be at the top of the league. But anyway, the URC gets back to it on Boxing Day with Cardiff hosting Scarlets, Ulster hosting Connacht, Osprey hosting Dragons, Munster versus Leinster. Woo, that's going to be good. And on Monday the 27th, for some reason, Glasgow will be facing Edinburgh in the first match of the 1872 Cup, which I'll be happy to talk about at a soon date. Meanwhile, over in the Premiership, everybody gets Christmas Eve and Christmas off for the Prem, with five fixtures on Boxing Day, and as with the URC, one on Monday the 27th. So to be specific, on Sunday, we're going to have Bristol hosting Leicester, can Leicester make it 12, do you think, against Bristol? I mean, yeah, they'll they'll be rested for sure. But anyway, Newcastle will be hosting Sale. Saracens will be back home in action against Worcester. That looks like a tough one for the Warriors. Wasps will be hosting London Irish. That's actually going to be a really good match. Both those teams are outperforming, I think, anyone's expectations heading into this year. Anyway, Bath, miserable Forlorn Bath will be at home facing Gloucester, who are on fire right now. And, of course, Harlequins will be hosting Northampton on the Monday. Out of all those fixtures, I'd say Munster versus Leinster, Glasgow versus Edinburgh, and Newcastle versus Sale, those are the gifts that I'm most wanting to unwrap this weekend for sure. Also, a preview of a different sort. I have the interview I've been dreaming of coming up this week. Be on the lookout for a very special bonus pod to drop just before Christmas. Oh, I'm so excited. It's going to be a real treat for sure. Okay, well, I'm not going to lie. A bit of a disappointing round this weekend. It's, you know, things are a little disappointing this weekend and the signs pointing the way forward you know they don't look particularly great right now either so there's just a lot of red flags around life in general but nevertheless we will be here we'll be here for you somehow or other rugby will persist 
We'll all see brighter days sometime in the future. It's going to happen, I reassure you. As the holidays approach, I can genuinely say I'm extremely grateful for you, the listeners, and for the fact that I'm able to connect with you in whatever small way this is each and every week. It really means a lot to me, and I hope you all get something nice out of it. So thank you, thank you, as always, for coming along for the ride. And please, if you have a spare moment, just reach out to say hi, whatever you have to say. Maybe leave me a nice review. That's always good. And it's, you know, that kind of stuff is always way more appreciated than I'm ever able to actually express here on the pod. So please do whatever you so you can. Um, until next time, though, my friends, thank you so much for listening. Talk to you soon. And as always, be well.